0: You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. You've now tuned in to The Drawing Board Podcast, a powerful, thought-provoking discussion where we talk about family, relationships, ministry, community, and career. Let's see what exciting guests we have on our show today. Welcome to The Drawing Board Podcast. This is the founder And host, Andre Ebron, the author of The Drawing Board, a powerful thought-provoking testimonial that challenges the reader to examine their life and reimagine the possibilities. Last week, I gave you guys an insider, insider letting you know that I was writing the second book. The second book is entitled Reimagine, Writing Your Destiny One Day at a Time. It is a 365-day workbook that takes the word of God, challenges you to reflect, to give some introspection to some things that maybe you need to adjust, to align, to correct, to actually address and create the life that you desire. Now, as you all know, I am an educator, a dean of culture and climate. I also am a, a business owner. And here's, here's my favorite, favorite opportunity I have. Shh. I have been a husband for 16 years to the most amazing woman in the world, Mrs. Shalisa Ebron. And I am the father of two awesome children, Andre Ebron. Can you all believe this young man will be 13 on the 27th? I can't believe it. And my daughter, Christian, our daughter, Christian, she's 14 years old. And so tonight I have the pleasure and the honor of interviewing one of her esteemed co-workers, Today, I have the pleasure and the honor of interviewing the Regional Family and Community Partnerships Director for Distinctive Schools. Welcome to the show, to the nation of the drawing board, Ms. Lauren Hollier. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. I'm so very excited to be here. And you are absolutely right. Mrs. Shalisa Ebron is that deal. She is an amazing woman, and I am so very glad I get to work with her on a regular basis. So, thank awesome. you so for offering us, you know, this opportunity, this platform to share a little bit more.
0: Yeah, not a problem. Like I said, it is my honor. I see that Ms. Sharanda has joined us.
2: Yes. Hello. How are you?
0: Oh, I am doing great. I'm doing awesome. So, I here's a, here's a little insight before we start. Did you know years ago, this now, nah, I'm not going to date myself, but years ago, I was a <laughs> sub at Plymouth Educational Center. And uh, I, I- yeah, I worked at PEC and uh, I was a sub for their fourth grade classroom teaching mathematics. The fourth grade teacher had gone out on maternity leave and uh, uh-huh. I ended up taking a um, temporary sub position there. And at that time, I'll be honest, I was really working to just get money going to keep the business running. And somebody said, you know what, we really think you should go into education. I was like, uh, no. And then, <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, I, I just will have it that God directed my steps that way, and it's been history ever since, but I was just telling, so you are a principal leader uh at the distinctive Plymouth education site
2: yes i I am, and Shalisa has been hugging out on the beach. she did not tell me
0: that <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, i it was years ago, I remember uh, I would at lunchtime I would park in the back, everybody would make that McDonald's run. <laughs> <Yes. you know? laughs> So, yes, I welcome you all. And I just want to give a a preface our interview with letting uh, my audience know a little bit about Distinctive. So Distinctive operates high performing public charter schools in Chicago and Metro Detroit. Here's your mission. And I love your mission. Your mission is to support each child in becoming an engaged and curious learner, a confident self-advocate, a creative problem solver. Here you go. By setting high expectation and nurturing a positive culture that honors diversity, collaboration, mm-hmm. and optimism. Now, being an educator, I know all of the work that goes behind facilitating that mission. So let's talk about it. Uh, first of all, tell me how how old is Distinctive? What you guys are out of Chicago? Tell me about Distinctive.
1: Mm-hmm. So Distinctive has been around for about 10 years now, I want to say, been going strong in Chicago and expanding on a regular basis, like almost a yearly basis, it seems like here in Michigan. And we're very glad to be a part of that team here. Um, But it was founded by a group of educators, you know, people who really understood the ins and outs of things and wanted to make sure that those voices are constantly celebrated and elevated within the organization. So culture is at the heart of everything that we do. You hear everyone from the CEO to whoever may have just started in a um, first year teaching position in the office and everything just will always come back to the culture and the vibe that you have anytime you walk into one of our buildings or engage with one of our staff members.
0: Absolutely. Ms. Sharanda. I think that I saw you speaking about culture. I think I saw you on a TikTok. <laughs>
2: um, so culture, right? Supreme. Absolutely. I think one of the think one of the staples that sets us apart to Lauren's point is that we are not an organization built by business executives who think they know education because it is a beast of its own nature. And anyone who's been in education knows that they understand that. And I think, you know, just that has been the basis of our solid foundation is that We know in order for us to have a solid culture for our students, that the atmosphere must first be charged, right? Like the people who come in the building need to feel the optimism. They need to feel the joy and understand um, through their own experience that what we want is for our students to achieve at a high level, but we don't want them to achieve in such a forceful nature that they can't enjoy the learning process. You know, that rarely ever
0: works. So, you know. Absolutely. Now, you know, as a dean of culture and climate, I have a a question. And here's the question that I have for you all moving forward. uh, We're looking at pre-COVID-19 and post-COVID-19. And the essential question is, how do we create that type of environment in a virtual space? Right. So what were some of the ways that you all created uh, over these last couple of months made sure that you created a sense of belonging and community for uh, not only your students, but your staff and faculty as well. What were some of the uh, methods you used? Woo.
2: Jesus. Can I say Jesus? Is it separation of churches?
0: Oh, yeah. You can even say uh, hallelujah. <laughs> <for the community. laughs> um,
2: so w- what we did, honestly, was we put our students and families first. Before we dove straight into teaching, we made sure that we did false checks. We asked if everyone in the house was safe, if everyone was well, you know, with their health, with their mental state. We asked the students, you know, how their days were going, if they have been able to go outside, if they had had any social outlet. Like, we tried to make sure that their mental and their physical being was intact before we focused on you know, meeting the instructional targets because what we understood as we were making arrangements to leave the building was that this was going to be a time like we hadn't seen in our lifetime. Like none of us have been through or experienced this. Um, and so many of us as educators had very little to draw on with personal experience and the students were going to be the first of their kind, you know, for a long time to come who would experience that. And I think once the parents were able to realize we weren't just focused on our scores, we weren't just focused on, you know, checking boxes and hitting the growth target mark, but that we really wanted to make sure the students were okay. It further built that community aspect. Uh, I know for us at PEC, We call ourselves a village. You know, we are building and continue to build the village from within. It takes all of us in order for our students to feel safe, secure, and successful. And so we just made sure that our village was okay before we started with the nature of textbooks and the regiment of pacing. And
1: with that, I feel like we also... Yes. We also made sure that our families had access to whatever devices they may need to be able to connect with their teachers and their fellow classmates. Because we recognize that for a lot of kids, that's the fun of school is being able to engage with, you know, an adult who you look up to who isn't your parent, you know, or or a family member. Um, And then talking to your own classmates. So a lot of our teachers went out of the way to actually schedule in time So that their students could also just socialize in their Zoom calls and everything and set up field trips and other engaging activities, things they would have done in the classroom so that that culture was still translating over into their Zoom meetings. And we just saw engagement continue to go up and up on a weekly basis as more of the students got into the flow of it. But knowing that they could call on Principal Battle, Principal Hibbler, Principal uh, Ross Terry, like, All of our building leaders, if they needed support from the top down, I think also helped build a beautiful bridge within our school communities, because parents knew that nobody was hiding from them. Everybody wanted to make sure they had everything they needed. And um, our network even set up a fund to help support families who may have come across other challenges in the midst of all of this. Because like Sharanda said, we know it's a lot happening right now. And we, we feel it personally. And because we feel it personally and we know how we would want someone to respond to us, we've been trying to do our best to respond to parents in kind. So it's been a very interesting experience to say the least. But I, on a regular basis, am so proud to be able to work for an organization like this that has cared tremendously about the health, safety, and well-being of the family as a whole and then their education. You know, like education is always paramount. But you can't think about education if you're hungry. So we continued with like food distributions at our schools to make sure that families had access to food. If they were in need of other things, a lot of our social workers were dropping off materials and like surprise gift baskets and things like that to families who they know might just need someone to show them a little love at that time. So it was like those little touches that I think helped to keep that village vibe, that community spirit within our schools, even on a digital side.
2: Yeah. I definitely would like to, um, you know, just shout out our, our dean of students and our teachers. And to your point, our social workers, they literally made crates of supplies. Like I went and emptied out when we realized we were going home. I went and emptied the shelves at a local dollar store. And we essentially put together education grab bags for our students and for our families um, so that they would at least have the, the minimal uh, supplies at home to do the assignments or to complete any activities that we might ask them to do. So it was definitely an all-hands-on-deck uh, experience. And I think, like, to to our point, that's what we our culture and climate going, is that there was no one man above the team. Like, we were team, we were village, hashtag better together the entire time.
1: Absolutely. I think that Andre might have gotten kicked off, but um, to all of this, and just for those of you all who are out there so you know, we are enrolling right now. And for us, it's been a wonderful thing, like Sharanda and I have been saying, to be able to continue the education side of things, as well as the building of community within our schools um, throughout this closure. So we actually still have students now who held on to their computers or their iPads over the summer and have been doing summer learning, which I think is just such a cool thing. Because every now and then we get a message or a text, a photo of some child like hiding behind a book because they're just so overjoyed by being able to still engage, have community within um, their summer learning and everything. And just having access to this virtual digital platform in the midst of everything.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I see you had a little bit of technical difficulty yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I'm glad that you all continue talking and, and engaging about giving children access to the virtual platforms and ensuring that all of the basic needs were being met. Uh, following Maslow's hierarchy of needs of knowing that those basic material needs uh, need to be met prior to self-actualizing or uh, addressing those higher order questions. Now that to me sounds like the distinctive way. Talk to me about that. The distinctive way. I see you guys have that coin and I heard Ms. Sharanda talking about being safe secure and ensuring success. Talk to me about uh, the distinctive way. What does that mean to your organization? Ms. Sharanda, you can feel free to address that.
2: So for, for us The distinctive way absolutely is making sure that things are personalized, individualized, and well thought out with intention for each child. You know, the cookie cutter model didn't work for us in school. You know, we have so many people that we know who left school with gifts and talents that were untapped and unrecognized, which I think is the biggest injustice you know what I mean, for any of, any of our kids to like go through the entire their entire schooling experience and never have the opportunity to identify where they are successful academically, what they are able to do well, but likewise, what they haven't been able to master yet. And that is the distinctive way. Like our students, if they don't get something the first time, they aren't failures. It's not a failure. It's just something that they have yet to master. And they start to get that thinking. And once that mindset and train of thought sets in, they aren't afraid to take academic risks. They aren't afraid to ask questions. They aren't afraid to partner with, with a teammate or a classmate and say, you know, hey, help me think through this. Everybody in our buildings is, is a thought partner. You know, if I have something that I'm working on and I can't figure it out, it's nothing for me to ask one of my students like, hey, I know you're good at this. Come help me think through this. I need I need someone to help problem solve. And, you know, when you go through a traditional school system where A's, B's and C's are your barometer for success or failure, many of our students still leave school and they don't know. What that means, you got an A in a class, but you don't know what, um, which standard you were performing successfully with, or which standard you still needed a little bit of help with. And so, I think those things um, make us continue to make us distinctive. Each one of our students completes a learner profile, so they learn how they learn. And once you have that, you know it's easy for you. It's easier. For you to complete a project and say you know i know that i need to have a little bit of support with strategies to study or i may be a better writer and so if this is a class where i am required to take tests and exams i'm going to need to dedicate a little bit more time to that so part of our learning platform um is arranged for definitely for our middle schoolers we use we are launching summit learning and okay. so for the, the summit learning platform Everything is project-based, but it's inquiry-based to the point where the students aren't just, you know, having fun and engaging. They stay in that productive struggle space so that they're continuing to learn and excel, but they aren't so tapped out mentally that they feel like, you know, they aren't going to ever achieve success. And, you know, so with all of those components together, that's, that's really what makes us, is making sure that we individualize and customize the learning while we continue to build the
1: culture around them yeah and it's not just us individualizing it for the child themselves you know it's also engaging with the child on what they feel like they would like to you know excel at what they need to work on as well as their parents so it's everybody all in together building out that plan for the child's success meeting them where they are to get them where they want to be
0: That's amazing. Now, you guys were talking, and I'm listening to both of you kind of lift the idea of Carol Dweck's theory of growth mindset uh, that you create thought partners within the school, but that you also value the input of all of your constituents, all your stakeholders, namely your students. How do you all, on a daily basis, ensure that the environment lifts the scholars' voice as being valued? How do you create within them, as you all say, uh, make them confident self-advocates. How do you do that?
1: I think it's on a regular, as you see them starting to come into their own, you encourage that, you celebrate that. And that's one thing that as an administrative person within our schools, not necessarily in the classrooms, I love walking through the halls and seeing and hearing teachers celebrating their students. And then the best part on top of that is when you hear the students celebrating each other. And I think that's when they really start to feel like they have a voice, they have a choice and that they can speak up and be proud about whatever the subject matter is, is when they take that first step after being, you know, encouraged, celebrated and everything by their teachers. But when their students and their fellow classmates start saying like, oh, good job, or you got that or oh, yeah, you know, all of that, I think that really helps to just push them a little bit further into then questioning the teacher as well. You know, having other thought provoking, challenging questions that they pose to say, you know, well, what if we did it like this? Or what about that? And how do we do this? And, you know, I was working on it this way, but then I saw that you could do it this way. And sometimes they start finding their own shortcuts to things or they find limpier ways even to come to the conclusion or the answer that they're looking for. And it's just a beautiful thing to watch. Um, But I'll definitely like Sharanda. I'm sure you have some thoughts on that as well. But I just I love seeing the kids grow into their own voices from the in class to the after school activities, because lots of them will also speak up on what they want to see and what they want to participate in as well. Because we all know everyone has different interests. So myself, like I'm into art. And if I were a child and able to say to my teacher, I really want to do art. I want to build furniture. And my teacher might go, what? You want to build furniture? At Distinctive, I feel like people actually listen and they're like, well, let me connect you to this person. And how about we see if we can get an activity that includes, you know, some more STEM related things or some architecture. And that just piques more of their interest. Well, what does that mean? What's architecture? How do I design? And you let them know that they're doing a lot of these things. And when you help point out the things that kids are actually working on, that they're not even realizing they're doing, That only helps them grow more and recognize that they have a voice and a space to step into those roles if they so choose to.
0: Listen, so now I don't know if you have been watching the drawing board, but I give every guest a challenge. So here's my challenge for you, Lauren. All right. I hope you're ready for it. (laughs) All right. It is a it is a campaign that you will run entitled. I have a voice and I have a choice. YDP Youth Development Program. I have a voice and a choice. And that's something you can run with. All right.
1: All right. All right.
0: And I'm going to follow <laughs> up. I'm going to say, I'll say, Shalisa, what is Lauren doing with that, with the I have a voice, I have a choice program. I can see all the collateral with it. I can see the t-shirts with it. I can see, you know, especially uh, you know, during this time, teaching our young people how to structure their voice because this generation, they're speaking, right? They're going to speak, undoubtedly, and they won't be silenced. But it is just about helping them structure their voice to be productive. And Sharanda, I know that you also have some ideas about teaching scholars to use their voices productively. What is it that you all do? So
2: you are 100% correct. They are going to speak. They have very strong opinions about most everything. And one of the things that we do at PEC, so we have a student-led panel in our middle school. And essentially, they are the voice of the people. And so if there is an issue that they see rising up, it's their duty to basically survey the land. Like, okay, guys, how do we feel about this? What's the problem? And it can range from anything. Literally, um, hey, in our code of conduct, so before we left out, they brought to my attention, hey, so you know, (laughs) <laughs> um, we've been breaking the rules for years. I'm like, what? Yeah, we do it on purpose because nobody ever says anything. But we figure it should probably just go in writing. So we're gonna, we're coming to you to tell you we're building a proposal to change the uniform policy in our handbook. And I'm like, guys, you're in uniform. And they're like, no, we're not. We're not in uniform. The uniform says khaki or blue. We wear black pants on purpose. So they have like their own mini remote just to see what's going to happen, right? And right. if you aren't paying attention to detail, you'll miss it and they're learning to work the loopholes in the system. And so instead of them being in a place where they have to work the loopholes, we have provided a platform where they just say, Hey, can can we let's just address this? Can we talk about it? Can we change it? Here are our ideas. Um, And on a similar level, to their level of cognition, the elementary students do the same thing. So they have a time in the day where they talk about, hey, what worked today? What didn't work today? What do we want to see happen tomorrow? And so even in our kindergarten classroom, our students are learning to reflect take note of things that they didn't like and to understand, to your point, they, their voice matters and it does have the power to change things in their environment. And so slowly we teach our students to use their thoughts, turn them into words, and turn those words into manifestations that they want to see. Um, and so that's how we are teaching our students to have a day for themselves. That's how they implement their voice and make the changes. So that the school environment is their school.
0: It's their school. and we strongly believe that should reflect they are. Sharenda, I felt like you were getting ready to say we're teaching them to speak those things that be not. I felt <laughs> I felt like you were going there, but I'm, you know
2: <laughs> I'm, I Jesus. I'm trying to keep my church girls to a minimum. <laughs> no,
0: know, listen, listen. I a, at this point we realize that those elements uh that make us well-rounded human beings, uh, that give us both spirit body and mind uh, that run, that that balance that's necessary to lead us and guide us to success. So at the drawing board, listen, you can have whoever's driving pull over and you can take a, sh- a station break and shout if need be. All right. So listen, here, here's a question that I have, Lauren, as uh, the family and community partnership director, what partnerships have you forged or you had that has made this Not necessarily easy, but a more fluid transition uh, amidst these two pandemics.
1: So first, one of our most important partnerships, paramount to everything we do, is our partnership with the parents. And I think that this has continued to forge a just remarkable, honestly, partnership with our parents and just how we communicate with one another, how we check in on each other like family it being all love and care at the root of it all. Um, We say it all the time, like culture is king with us, you know, but the partnership between our parents has been the glue. It's been the glue for everything. The partnership between the parents, the staff, the students, has been what's mainly kept us going. Um, Thankfully, however, we have still maintained other partnerships that we utilize during the school year. So some of our athletic partnerships through PAL, Some of our community organizations that we work with, like I said, Gleaners, um, being able to stay connected to what they're working on and they're planning has also helped us to continue to provide for our families. Um, We, like I said, we've been trying to make sure that we include virtual field trips and activities and things of that nature into our learning on this digital platform, and we will continue to do so if we are in a hybrid model of sorts. But it's just been really, really awesome being able to reach out and to continue to build more partnerships now, too. There are a few that we have in the works that I won't uh, throw out there just yet. But for this coming school year, as we get excited about planning, welcoming kids back in person, virtually, whatever it may be, um, we are still planning on having athletics, having educational clubs. Having skill-based clubs because, like I said, we have students who enjoy cooking. <laughs> Look out, there will be some options okay. for cooking because we know some of those All parents right. as well have been teaching their kids a lot of new skills at home. Um, there are quite a few things that we are working on <laughs> cooking up that I am just very excited about, and like I said, I don't want to divulge too too much about them, um, but. It just continues to grow, and on a regular basis, we meet with new partners. So, the union is another partner that we've recently been talking to and trying to get more involved with. Um, The downtown boat club has reached out recently, letting us know about some offerings that they have over the summer. So, it's a variety of different spaces and different interests that we continue to keep our partnerships open to the um, Harper Woods Gross Point Coalition, like we've been talking on a regular basis with them and in regards to like health and safety. So this is a very interesting time. We want to make sure that we have the right partners in place if we should need extra support in regards to people's physical and mental health. So we're on a regular basis keeping our eye open and just paying attention to who could potentially be a new partner for us. And of course, Hello, the drawing board. Why? Thank you. This is a lovely.
0: Hey, one. listen. Absolutely, I, I, I'm I'm already vested. You know, I have given you my 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 most valuable asset that changes <laughs> lives in my house on a daily basis. So yes. I'm already okay, a part of that. Her. But listen, watch this. But the drawing board is a place for breaking news. So I heard you say you were cooking something up. We're listen, Everybody's leaning their ear your direction. Who could that potentially be?
1: Oh, just wait and see. <laughs> Feel free to come by our website. So if you're ever looking, Distinctive Schools, you can go there as a landing ground, and then you'll see all of the schools within our network. Um, we did expand this year, and so we added another school in the Flat Rock area, so Downriver. Um, but okay. we have a school in Harper Woods, Distinctive College Prep Harper Woods, one in Redford, Distinctive College Prep Redford, Plymouth Educational Center in Midtown Detroit, and then Summit Academy Flat Rock in Flat Rock, Michigan. So, um, when I tell you it's going to be delicious, (laughs) it's going to be delicious, okay? Just so great. Um, But we continue with regular partners as well that people are more familiar with, like the Girl Scouts, uh, another tennis partner as well, some other athletics that kids might be able to do where we can send them the materials to um, actually practice and train and everything at home, um, as well as. Athletics that we can also provide some social distancing and spacing between kids as well. So I'm very excited. Um, it,
0: it sounds exciting.
1: It, it is going to be exciting. And then we also have some teachers who have been coming out with new things that they participate in that they are you know excited to teach and build into our students as well as in the curriculum, but also as after school activities. So we're actually going to preview some of those things in the coming weeks on our social media channels. So if you're not following us on social media, definitely make it a point to. I'll certainly come by the Drawing Board Facebook page and whatnot to drop those in there as well. Um, but you'll be seeing a preview of more of those things in the coming weeks on our on our channels as live um, like tutorials.
0: Oh, that's awesome! And again, I I saw all of the engagement that you all were doing through TikTok videos through all of the methods, wherever people were gathering and engaging, uh, I laughed so hard at the don't rush challenge. <laughs> I was, I was, I, listen, I laughed too, and I, I enjoyed joking. Right. And so I said, well, I said, it looks like some people did take their time and it did look like some people rushed. I don't know. Listen, listen, I just have to be, listen, on the drawing board, we must be honest. No, I'm <laughs> joking. <laughs> I'm joking. It's it's all good fun, fun,
1: you know. And I think that's an important thing. We we're serious about what we do, by all means, but we like to have fun because it just makes life better. Honestly, especially at a time like now, it's great to be able to have a good time with your colleagues, with your students, where you can kind of separate what other things might be challenging you or causing you know outside stressors, and just be in the moment with one another working on whatever the activity may be, be it in the classroom, on ST Math, on Lexia, um, as you're leveling your points up, your teacher might pop in, you know, who knows? It could just be a surprise. Hello, how are you doing? Like, I know I've personally texted some of our family members and they think, oh, hey, Miss Olien, what's going on? Oh, nothing. I just wanted to say, hey, I just want to see how you were doing, know if you needed anything, just want to remind you I'm here because that's what we do. You know, that's a part of our distinctive difference. We want our families to know that we're here for them. And it's not always, you know, did you do this? Did such and such turn in this? Sometimes it's just, hey, how's it going? What do you need? Just just wanted to check on you.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think that is amazing as, as it relates to your culture. And then it brings me to my other point of the impact that you all are making. Now, I do have to ask a question about uh, the rigor of your academics, the things that you all are doing and leveraging. Uh, the adaptive learning process to meet kids where they are? What are some of the different platforms or um, systems that you all engage to make sure that every child is being met where they are?
3: Um, So we have a plethora of systems, supplements and supports from iReady, ST Math, Lexia. Um, The middle school component is Power Up. So we use those. Our standard curriculum for middle school, as I just said, is Summit Learning, the Summit Learning platform. We are implementing Benchmark at PEC. The rest of the network is has been using Benchmark. So at Plymouth Educational Center and Summit Flat Rock, both of us will be launching Benchmark new this year. But you know, it is going to be fully implemented with um, integrity because we have the experience and the knowledge base within the network for what has worked what hasn't worked um so we have we've been intentional with planning our rollout planning our professional developments and so a lot of times you hear people throw the buzzword of rigor but it's hard to see rigor take place in a classroom if the teacher themselves don't know how to scaffold if they don't know how to support the students um with differentiation if they can't select students to go in the appropriate small groups like all of that background thinking that background work like that's the lever and the leverage of rigor and so we make sure that all of our staff uh, maintain professional development and training as well as collaboration to see all of those processes implemented with integrity throughout the course of the school year Um, and it's been successful for us thus far.
0: Absolutely. I'm I'm glad that you mentioned those points specific to differentiation. Uh, scaffolding because that is where you'll see you hit those targets, those growth goals. You'll get that 150% per year that you're looking for, depending on whatever your targets are. But without those and you know those buzzwords that we use throughout education. Uh, We're going to implement this program with fidelity and I mean, it it sounds really good you know, but the fact that I hear you going to how granular it needs to get in order for it to be effective that, that really, that was, you know, salute to you. Now, here's the question that I had. What is it like, your testimony, of being a part of the Distinctive team? What is it like being a team member at Distinctive?
3: Um. So for me, it is absolutely shout worthy, right? Like if you, I mean, For those of us who have been in those places where everything is about the bottom line, everything is about the black and white of the bank account, and the people who suffer are the teachers and the students and ultimately the families, you know, that's heart-wrenching. That's not why most of us joined this field of education. You know, I didn't come into education ever thinking that I was going to be rich, as a matter of fact. My father threatened not to pay my tuition one year because he was like, you changed to what? A teacher. You're never going to make anybody. Um, but I think, you know, for me, being able to join a team and a network that stood by the things that they said, like the distinctive way is not just a catchphrase. It's not something that the people who work within this network say. We literally live it, we breathe it, and it's evident in the work that we do. Um, you know, I have never, in my 20 plus years of professional um, powers within education, I've never seen a community of educators more dedicated to making sure that they get it right. Like, I don't say fidelity on purpose, because sometimes when you are implementing a curriculum with fidelity, you skip the kids and leave the kids behind who didn't get it because you have to stay on the pacing of the platform. Well, right. who does that help? You know what I mean? You check the box. But when it's time to submit your grades, it still didn't even help you as a teacher if you have too many student failures. Like it, it, it's not effective. Um And so to have a network that looks at all of those components, to have a network that says, hey, we're in the middle of social injustices and our community is hurting. Let's push pause and let's figure out what our community needs. Like, we don't want to just say Black Lives Matter. We want to understand what that means. We don't want to just say, you know, hey, how you doing? We know you're in the middle of a pandemic. We're all in it together. No, we really want to make sure that we are serving our people. And that's not always that. That is rare. It's a very rare experience in the educational community. Um, and I have been fortunate to be a part of another network that was very similar, but Never, never dug nearly as deep as Distinctive hat, And so I find it an honor and a privilege to be able to do the work that I feel called to do at a level that I feel like I've been called to do it. Like my integrity is never in question because integrity is who the network strives to embody.
0: Excellent. Now, I found my challenge for you. I was waiting until it came up. Here's my challenge for you. So we already have uh I have a voice, I have a choice with Lauren, right? Here's here's your I want you to write something. Are you a writer? If you're not, then you're getting you're getting ready to write. All right, here we go. All right, here we go. I want you to write something that's gonna transfer into a professional development. Don't just check the box. Programmatic programmatic implementation beyond fidelity.
2: Mm. That's good. Don't
0: just check the box. Mm-hmm.
2: Programmatic
0: implementation beyond fidelity. Because I do believe that people, especially uh first year educators or people that are within their first five years, they come in with the purest intent. Uh, and sometimes they equate their effectiveness uh in the classroom with being able to check all of the boxes. Mm-hmm. But what I like to share is uh I said we you know, we don't uh, we don't teach a curriculum. We teach children and we yes. deliver the curriculum. Yeah. So so knowledge of the learner is primary number one, right? Knowledge of the learner. And so much of that gets overlooked in this process because I understand the pressures of pacing. I understand uh, the pressures of scores aligning in order for funding to be what I, I get all of that. But if we do all of those things and our children are no more prepared than they were when they met us. Then I think that is the that is where the catastrophic failure comes in. But I'm glad Distinctive is getting it right. I love to see you being mommy right now, letting him out of the car. I I love it. I love it. And you gotta do it, is, you this, gotta do it
2: all. You gotta do it all at once.
0: <laughs> this is what the life of an educator looks like amidst quarantine. It is the baby yes. on one arm in the car on the Zoom call. <laughs> it's everything. Everything, everything. So now let me ask you, because uh, I heard you give that light flex right there. I appreciate it. You gave a light flex there, Sharanda. In my 20 years of educational prowess, I, 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 I felt that light flex right there. Um, let's let's talk about um, like careers. And I just want to get to the heart of like why did you choose education, uh, Sharanda? Lauren, why did you why are you involved in community partnerships? Give me your why. What's your why?
3: um my why is deep my why is because i am the great 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 granddaughter of a former slave turned sharecropper and i had the honor and the privilege to not only know her name but to live with her for the first trimester of my life um and so the stories are real her learning is real her courage is very real to me um but also her desire to be better and much like the times that we find ourselves in now she was prevented the opportunity to better herself um and she understood in a way that many of our children don't understand anymore how education is the great equalizer, right? Like it, it it literally can change the game for many of us if we know certain things, if we have knowledge about certain opportunities, certain, you know, no papa, certain things. And so for me going through education as a student, I found myself with teachers who wanted to box me in. Um, I'm sure that you would be surprised if I said, you know, I've never been a quiet girl. I've always had an opinion. I've always voiced my opinion. Um, And I didn't always know how to do it well. Huh, imagine that. But there was nobody there to grab me and say, hey, what you have to say is important. It's valid, but let me show you how to do it. There was nobody in the midst to do that for me until very, very late in the game. Um, But I knew that I needed to speak up for myself because I watched how my grandmother having the courage to speak up for herself changed her life. You know what I mean? She couldn't, my entire family could still be stuck in the South in some small town doing God knows what. But she had the tenacity to fight for what she felt like she was worth and she, she never missed a beat. And, you know, it's just important to me to carry on that legacy. It's important to me that my own kids see me, hear me, watch me do all the things, you know what I mean? And it it can't stop. There has to continue to be people in the midst in our school buildings who aren't solely trying to make a name for themselves, who aren't solely trying to get a check. Like there has to be somebody there interested in teaching them how to learn and teaching them how to make the way for themselves because my way may not be their way, but, but I am not so power stricken and you know authoritative that I think I have to force them to go down one path or another. My job is to help them forge their own path and make sure that they trailblaze in it. I want my kids to be the first to do it in everything, you know, Uh, And, and to know that there's somebody there advocating for you. And, you know, you've got your cheerleader. When a kid gets me, they got me for life. My number has been the same since 1997. I have the same cell phone number because any kid that ever crosses my path, they'll always be able to find me and they use it. Um, and so I just, you know, like that's, that's it for me. There has to be somebody there to do it for them because it was too late in the game for me. Um, you know, I, I oftentimes wonder who I could be if I had been given the tools that I have now sooner. And, um, the sooner that our kids get them, the better off they can be.
1: Absolutely. Oh, go ahead, Andre. We can't hear you.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah, I have no idea what's going on with my technology, but here we go. What I was saying is, um, you know, when you, I was just making an aside to the point that you made that if you knew and had the skills and tools earlier, and I was saying, I was having a conversation with a lady in the store and uh, I don't play the lottery, but she wanted to talk to me about the lottery. And she said, you know what? Even if you played, you would never win. And I looked at her and I said, well, why is that? She said, because the people you serve need you to be where you are. So God wouldn't allow that to happen because you're needed where you are. And I say that to say, had you had you received them earlier and it would have altered your course. All of the children from 1997 to this present day wouldn't have access to the gifts, to the wisdom, to the knowledge, to the encouragement, to that that fortitude and that push, because sometimes you're the only person doing that in their lives. So, you know, I just I just wanted to encourage you, of course, to forge ahead. And uh, as you do with with with, uh, you know, such courage and they say courage is not the absence of fear, but it's, it's the ability to persist even where fear shows up. I felt like your story was the epitome of what Maya Angelou said was, I come as one, but I stand as 10,000. So now, Lauren, tell me, what, what brings you to this educational sphere? And I've seen you uh, lifting heavy boxes uh, you know, of food, delivering them, uh, helping out, always being there and present to ensure that whatever need is met, uh, you have a can-do attitude. Like, What? Impossible. You say difficult takes a day. Impossible takes a week. Let's go.
1: Let's go. Okay. let's go. (laughs) Um, For me, a lot of that stems from my parents. So I'm the daughter of a first responder. My dad is a retired fireman and the daughter also of a retired social worker. So sometimes um, I joke and say that I was always destined to help people because it was like in my genetic makeup. but that has always kind of been my parents' thing. So uh, I am the first to say that I think I have the greatest parents on the planet. It's a totally biased opinion, but I think it's biased at the same time based in fact. Okay. So
2: <laughs> uh, <and> factual
1: <laughs> bias. Factual bias. Okay. <laughs> just just to be clear. Um, I have three older siblings also. And the biggest thing that my parents I think did for us was they have always been our biggest cheerleaders. Like, um, my mom at the end of things would sign it like your biggest fan and she would put notes in our lunches so that at lunchtime we had a little burst of, you know, love from her. And I think that's always been the biggest thing to me is that encouragement from them. It just, it's with me wherever I go. And I always want other two people, other people to feel encouraged, to feel that love, to feel support. And a big part of that has been building partnerships. When I was in elementary school, my parents wanted to make sure that we got an international experience. So, my mom, being the president of the LSCO, decided that we were going to do some fundraising so that we could travel internationally. She was like, You guys are learning foreign languages. You need to use these foreign languages within that culture, within that country. And so, I was able to travel to South America. Um, I was able to travel to Central America. I went to Egypt and Africa. You know, I went to Europe because. For my parents, it was really important that not only myself, but my friends, other students in the school, that we had the opportunities to experience the world. You know, it wasn't just us traveling locally and nationally. They were like, the world is so much bigger, and it's important for you to better understand who you are in the world by experiencing that, by going out, by being a part of it. And um, like I said, being the daughter of a first responder, you're kind of taught to run in first. You know, if, if there is an emergency, right. how can I help? How can I support? People tease me all the time and call me Mother Teresa with Martha Stewart tendencies because <laughs> I have a, a big heart and I'm going to try and do whatever I can to help you. But at the same time, I might have my multi-tool on hand and be able to fix or fashion you something to help provide you shelter or to provide you whatever support is necessary. And it's because my parents have always felt like you need to be a jack of all trades to a certain extent. So that you can be a better resource for others within the community. Um, So just their support. My mom has always had a strong listening ear. And like I said, been my biggest supporter in everything I've done. Um, And my dad, they just want to make sure that we had everything that we could possibly use. And being in the field that they were in, they weren't making a lot of money either. You know, so for them, it was always about being resourceful and building partnerships within the community. So we did letter writing campaigns when we wanted to travel Um, as our school groups were raising funds. We would go and do performances and other things like that so that we could get people interested in our cause and actually join in supporting us to share it on their platforms as well. So whenever I can build a partnership, in my mind, I'm helping another child who wants to be an artist go to University of Michigan, like I did, and be in the Penny W. Stamp School program, you know? So it's all a matter of seeing where I can maybe fit in and be that thread to help connect somebody else so that we just have this beautiful tapestry of innovators, trailbladers, leaders, like Sharanda said, them feeling like they can be the first. Because I think when you have the right support, you go from... Maybe I can do it. <laughs> oh, look out. Don't forget me, Mrs. Battle, because I'm coming back. And when I come back to give you my Academy Award speech, <laughs> you just be ready. Your ticket will be there and waiting. You know, like that's the sort of love and joy that we want to inspire in our students where they feel like they can set those goals. Because once you have that support and you realize you can set goals for yourself, your whole world changes. And that was the biggest thing for me. Having three older siblings, like I'm the youngest of four, and all of them supporting me, coming to my volleyball games and my soccer games, coming to my performances with Mosaic Youth Theater of Detroit, like they were there and they made time to be there because they worked other things around. But when they couldn't be there, they always sent a representative too, you know? So knowing that I had other people, I had aunts and uncles and cousins, and sometimes by blood, sometimes not in my corner supporting me. When we built these other partnerships, those partners coming to support me at events, coming to my graduation, listening to me give speeches and whatever else it may have been that I was working on has only propelled me to want to find ways that we can connect our students to partners that will be those people for them, that will build their village stronger than they came in. You know, so it's just, it's a regular thing of just wanting to help is honestly what it comes down to. I want to help. Um, I like to sometimes be that person to rush in first, especially if it means we're able to support someone who didn't feel like they had support when they first got there. Um, I am kind of (laughs) quiet, believe it or not. Like I do also Uh, enjoy observing (laughs) and kind of like getting the lay of the land and everything as well. The um, social worker that I joke that's inside of me, people similar to you, uh, sometimes they just need to tell their story. And so I enjoy being that listening ear often for people when they have something that they just need to share that they, you know, want to get off of their chest for whatever the reason is, and then working with them to let them know, like, your feelings are valid. I think that's the hardest thing for a lot of people to realize, like, we're always apologizing for how we feel, but your feelings are valid. And if you feel that you require something more, that you require more support, or maybe even that you need less. Being able to vocalize that and share that, I think, only helps you to grow as an individual and, like I said, continue to set those goals for yourself to attain and achieve whatever you set your mind to. I went to a camp uh, that was run by first responders called Camp Personality, and they would always say, if you can believe it, do the work, you can achieve it, you know, so, like all of that, put it together, get it going. It's just this long poem that we all used to recite together before doing other camp activities. But it's always stuck with me. Like if I can conceive it, if I believe in myself, if I'm willing to do the work, then I can achieve it. And that mindset just, it makes all the difference. So let's... Let me find the partner who's going to give you that opportunity. You want to go into podcasting? Let me get Mr. Ebron to come on and tell you what that's like. How do you set it up? How do you work with Podcast Detroit to get it going? You're interested in getting physically fit? We can find someone who will help you get that together. Matter of fact, Principal Battle might actually be able to show you how to flex, okay? You never know. So it's all about (laughs) listening when people are telling you what their interests are and where they're trying to grow that you build these other partnerships within your community. And I love being able to collaborate within the community um, because we're so rich with resources here in the city of Detroit and the metro area for that matter. I mean, you yourself said that you worked at Plymouth at one point. I feel very honestly that the degree of separation here is just, is so small. And you never know who you're going to start talking to, who they're going to know. And then all of a sudden, like this new relationship is built where now your kids can have a bank within the school. You know, like you never know what might happen by just listening and supporting one another. So that's what's brought me to this place is, you know, trying to be that catalyst for change for somebody else so that they feel like they have someone in their corner all the time. So let's go, Andre. Let's go. Let's go.
0: Let's go. Listen. I am so excited. I have written down some things and some other challenges I have for you all. I will forward them to Shalisa. Uh the superstar has just walked in. We have about two minutes left. Woo-hoo! And she she just came from a meeting. Uh, you know, she has been kicking butt on Weight Watchers and handling business. We need a partnership there. That was that way watching? Yeah. All right. You saw her just <laughs> lean in. Uh-oh.
3: Yeah, she but, made I- together.
0: Yeah. So listen, uh, she's making me get my life together. Yeah, I got to get my eating habits together. But anyway, as we close out, if you could please give, um, you know, the links where people can find you all. I know you guys are uh, in, you know, the season of enrollment. So you were lifting up all of these awesome things. You're defining differences, the distinctive way of how you all are challenging children to, you know, become uh, engaged and curious learners confident self-advocates, creative problem solvers, and you're setting high expectation that honors diversity, collaboration, and optimism. So where can they find more about distinctive schools?
1: So like I said, we have four schools here in the area. If you'd like to know about any of the schools and talk to someone immediately, you can always call or text 313-969-7671. Um, that is our Michigan like school cell phone that we're able to get right back to you, or as soon as we're able to, you will get a call back. If you'd like to look at any of our school sites directly, there's dcpreford.org, dcpharperwoods.org, PlymouthEd.org, and Summit Academy Flat Rock, flatrock.org. Or you can go to distinctiveschools.org, and then you'll be able to see a listing of all of our schools right there. Um, If you have any questions, you can always reach out to us on any of our social media channels. You can find us at DCP Redford, at DCP Harper Woods, at Plymouth Ed Center, at Summit Flat Rock Academy. Um, So definitely check us out. Look into us. Again, that number is 313-969-7671. I would love to have the pleasure of speaking with any of you. If you have any questions, like I said, I know some of us are more comfortable with text, so you can always also text that number and any of our contact us forms on our websites or our social media channels, either one of our social media advocates or someone from the school directly will get right back with you. Um, And then in our office buildings, you can call, like if you Googled any of our schools, you can call the office because we are in the buildings from nine to two on a daily basis. So, We're not necessarily doing like big on-site tours right now, of course, making sure that we're keeping everyone safe and healthy during this time, Um, but you can call up to the school or if you have documents to drop off, things like that, we can arrange for you guys to come in. We also have enrollment centers at each of our school campuses where you can come just inside the building doors if you don't have access to a computer or a phone, and you can complete an application within one of our school buildings. Um, I think that mostly covers it, but Saranda, if I missed anything, feel free to throw it in there.
3: (laughs) No, that was it. The only thing that I was going to add was that our buildings were open, but you caught it at the end. Yeah.
0: Excellent. Well, I'd like to thank both of you all for being guests on the Drawing Board podcast. I would like to tell you now you are indoctrinated, fully accepted into the Drawing Board Nation. So you all are a part of the family. We were already family. We just formalized it here. And so I like to always finish each show with this. Your future is not behind you. It is not before you. It is within you. And I'm Andre Ebron. And this is the Drawing Board Podcast. God bless you all.